the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WHK Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Flow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. We are securities and investment advisory services to offer to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FinTrack Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The sun is shining. It's summertime and the living is easy. Today is the start of the 4th of July weekend. A day to relax in the backyard with your family and to just take it easy. It's going to be a nice sunny day out there. You know, the temperatures might get up into the low 80s. So set up the barbecue in the the shade of the trees. You know, even during the pandemic, you know, the backyard seemed to be the safest place in the world. Maybe we'll see some fireworks this weekend. I know Wellington has got their fireworks uh, scheduled for... uh, uh, Sunday at dusk, and uh, I can see the, the Wellington fireworks in my front yard. In addition, my neighbors generally put on their own fireworks display, so I'll be uh, bombarded with fireworks this uh, this weekend. Last year, the 4th of July activities were mostly canceled, but this year the fun starts again. The ice cream socials, the concerts on the village greens. You know, the parade, the parade starts on Sunday at 3 p.m. This weekend, I have my chores list, and I've uh, penciled in some time for the patio and maybe even some time for the hammock. And maybe this weekend, we could find the time to summarize what happened globally and nationally and affects our investment. This week, uh, global equities markets were mostly mixed. In the United States, the three major stock indices were down for the week, while in the U.K., the FTSE 100 was down. And in the Eurozone, the uh, the stock uh, Europe 600 and Germany's DAX uh, were both down for the week. AU was kind of mixed with the uh, Japan's Nikkei 225. That was down, but China's uh, Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong's uh, Hang Shen we're both up for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed at the Dow Jones at 31,097.26. 
and it was down 1.28% for the week. The Standard and Poor 500 uh, closed at 3,825.33, and that was down 2.2% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 11,127.84, and that was down 4.13% for the week. The week before last, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, uh, he, he raised the uh, stock indices and helped calm investors' fears about the Federal Reserve's rate increases, uh, forcing the U.S. economy into a recession. Uh, basically, in his presentations to Congress uh, the week before last, he was reasonably confident that there was a that a recession could be avoided, and with the help of some luck. And uh, then this week, the message was different. This week, during a uh, moderated discussion uh, this, this past Wednesday uh, on the European Central Bank's. Uh, annual economic uh, policy conference in Portugal, uh, Chairman Powell uh, provided another glimpse of the Federal Reserve's plan. Uh, I think he, he, must have, he must have come to the conclusion that he was too optimistic the week before last. So last week he was more realistic. So Federal Reserve Chairman uh, Jerome Powell said he was more concerned about the risk of failing to stamp out high inflation, but about the possibility of raising interest rates too high and pushing the economy into a recession. So that's his priority. There's a risk that the, is there a risk, quoting him, is there a risk that we could go too far? And the response, certainly there's a risk, Mr. Powell said on Wednesday. The bigger risk to make is that uh, let's put it that way, would be to fail to restore price stability. Uh, federal officials are raising rates at the most aggressive pace since the 1980s, in part because of concerns that the higher prices could change consumers' uh, habits and psychology in ways that would uh, sustain higher inflation. Mr. Powell said that the uh, central bank had to raise rates rapidly uh, even if that raises the uh, risk of uh, recession to avoid a worse danger for the economy, and the worst danger would be higher inflation becoming entrenched. He said that the Federal Reserve didn't have the luxury of moving uh, rates up gradually because of concerns that the recent period of high inflation may lead consumers and price settlers to expect elevated prices uh, in the future. and. Uh, he indicated that there's a clock running here in the sense that he is racing against time. So Mr. Powell said that during that moderated uh, discussion on Wednesday, the risk, quote, the risk is that because of the multiplicity of shocks, uh, you start to transition into a higher inflation regime. Our job is literally to prevent that from happening. And... Uh, Basically, what you're looking at is central banks across the globe are in a hurry to raise interest rates amid uh, surging price pressures. Uh, rising fuel costs and uh, supply chain disruptions from Russia, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine has sent uh, prices uh, higher in recent months in the U.S. Such increases are adding to inflation that was already high as demand surged last year with the op- reopening of the economy and aggressive government spending. Since March, the Fed has raised its um, uh, federal fund rate, that's the overnight rate, uh, three times. And at the start of the year, it was uh, uh, close to zero, and now it's uh, close to 1.75%, and uh, including the last increase uh, in June, that was uh, three quarters of one percent. So, that those are the biggest. That that was the biggest increase in 28 years. So, Mr. Powell and many of his colleagues have signaled that another increase of that magnitude is likely to be warranted at the uh, at the Fed's next meeting in July. So, Mr. Powell's remarks Wednesday are his latest stressing uh, that the Fed will keep raising rates 
until it believes inflation is under control, and uh, even if that causes a recession. That was the big difference between <laughs> the presentation to Congress and the, the discussion at the, uh, the European Central Bank uh, meeting in Portugal. Um, I think he really felt that uh, he had to uh, indicate his highest priority was to stamp out inflation. So, <clears throat> even went on to say that uh, recessions are painful and typically resulting in lost jobs and economic output. And uh, uh, the Fed reserve, the Fed officials feel that high inflation is worse because waiting to address it would require even more severe downturns in the future. So, his message is was aimed at uh, preventing inflation expectations of rising and to help uh, investors anticipate uh, future rate hikes. So, as far as as far as uh, continuing uh, the approach, uh, some analysts are optimistic that a slowdown in U.S. demand and consumer goods could lower inflation rates. Mr. Powell has said he wants to see clear and convincing evidence that price pressures are diminishing before. Uh, slowing or suspending these rate increases that they have planned. Uh, and if those rate increases that they have planned keep going up, uh, most federal officials have said that they want to raise the Fed funds rate quickly to between 3% and 3.5% later this year uh, before assessing how much higher to lift it next year. So at the start of this year, you know, when the Federal Reserve put together their plan, in uh, December and January, December of last year, January of this year, uh, they were talking about uh, maybe going, going up to 2.75. Now they're talking about going up to um, 3.5% possibly. You know, they were basically saying, hey, whatever it takes. Uh, the Fed is hoping to slow U.S. economic growth enough to bring, uh, bring down inflation without causing a recession. And that's a so-called soft landing. And, uh, and basically what he's doing right now is uh, Chairman Powell has warned in recent weeks that uh, the war in Ukraine, which is pushing up food and energy prices, has made that uh, uh, outcome even more difficult. In other words, if the, for instance, if the idea was that the U.S. was a closed society and uh, we controlled the uh, supply of goods and the supply chains, uh, then uh, because of all the stimulus that was put into the economy in uh, 2020 and 2021, then all we'd have to do is put a break on on the uh, demand and it would uh, slow down the demand and make it more in equilibrium with the supply chain. But uh, these overseas adventures, uh, overseas Events like uh, Russia invading Ukraine, as well as uh, uh, China shutting down, you know, they shut down 30 or 40 million people in a crack when they really find uh, COVID. So uh, both of those events have, have made <laughs> trying, to, trying to put together long-term uh, 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 policies very, very difficult because now you've got the uh, supply chain uh, uh, functioning, that's going up and down at the same time you're trying to bring down the demand. So uh, the Fed is hoping to slow down economic growth enough to bring down inflation without causing a recession, the so-called soft landing. Uh, and uh, he indicates that, uh, hey, the, the process is highly likely to involve some pain, but the worst pain would be in failing to address this high inflation, allowing it to become um, get out of control. For instance, during the late 70s, uh, I believe inflation got up in the order of 14 or 15 percent. And uh, the cure for that was the uh, Federal Reserve uh, increasing the overnight rate to something like 20 percent. Uh, Volcker, who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve at that time, uh, did that in, I think it was 1981, and that basically caused a recession that cured inflation for the next 40 years. 
Uh, we don't want to do that. And we are doing that in the sense that uh, the things that they're talking about, the Federal Reserve's talking about, are increasing the overnight rates uh, to maybe 3.5% or something like that, not 20%. So there's no intent in, in what the Federal Reserve's doing is to, in terms of shutting down the economy. We're just trying to uh, get inflation down. And I, whether they get it down to 2%, uh, to me, you know, the long-term uh, inflation target is 3%. That's a 50-year target. It's 2% uh, number that they keep talking about. Uh, that only came out after the, uh, the 2008 uh, banking crisis or housing crisis, whatever you want to call it. And they had a heck of a time even getting inflation up to 2% from the, from the bottom. You know, there was a big dis- dis- disflationary period there, and they were trying to push up inflation, and uh, uh, they couldn't hardly get it up to 2%. In fact, I think they got it up to 1.5% sometimes. But now they're trying to get inflation down from the 8% down into a more reasonable number. Like, if they get it down in 3%, that would probably be the end of the whole thing. So, uh yeah, basically, he's, he's trying to level with the people that uh, uh, he has to do it, and uh, this is the plan, and there's no guarantees about a, uh, a no recession and things of this nature. Uh, for years following the uh, 2008 crisis, he did make some comments at that meeting in Europe, in Portugal, that the... Uh, uh, following the 2008 crisis, large economies have relied heavily on central banks to uh, boost demand, uh, leading to a uh, uh, feeling that they, they were the, quick, the, the only game in town. On Wednesday, uh, in his uh, discussions, Mr. Powell said that he was concerned that uh, this was becoming true again, but now in the opposite direction, that governments would rely uh, excessively on central banks to bring down inflation by squeezing demand rather than by addressing constraints on the uh, economy's capacity to produce more goods and services or to uh, boost the uh, workforce participation. I think that's a very, very, that those comments are very, very valid in the sense that in these terms, there's, quote, there's too much uh, focus on uh, demand management, and there should be a lot more focus on, hey, uh, we're trying to get the demand down, but let's make all sorts of steps to get the supply uh, situation corrected, too. So, so, at the end of the day, what we, what we as investors are looking at is uh path forward. And we're caught between the fear of higher inflation or, and possibly a recession. Or, or basically both. So uh, the economic data this week shows that the economy is still strong, and that's what the, uh, the Federal Reserve has been saying, that the economy is strong and the labor market is tight and companies are making money and things of this nature. Uh, but there's signs that uh, there's signs of a slowing. We're still, we're still strong, but the signs of a a slowing pace going forward. Uh, for example, the consumer spending, uh, that seems to be slowing. Still positive, but uh, it's, for example, consumer spending in May was still positive at uh, two-tenths of 1%, uh, with the slowest uh, rate this year. If I look at January, uh, January, the increase in spending, uh, consumer spending was 1.9%. February, an increase of six-tenths of 1%. March, an increase of 1.2%. April, an increase of uh, eight-tenths of 1%. In May, an increase of two-tenths of 1%. So not negative yet, but, uh, uh, you know, if you include if you include inflation in there, uh, they do become negative, but if you account for inflation, then consumer uh, spending in May uh, was down four-tenths of 1%. So 
Uh, if you look then at the other aspects of the U.S. economy, the U.S. manufacturing, uh, the orders for durable goods, while still positive, has been slowly creeping downward. And uh, again, if you go look back at uh, uh, the last six months, let's say November, uh, durable goods orders increased 3.2%, December 1.2%, January increased 1.6%, February they decreased 1.7%, and then in March increased 07 April increased uh, 0.4, and in May increased 0.7. So uh, you seem to be moving from a uh, a group where the increases in orders was in the uh, higher than one, maybe even two or three, into a, a lower number, less than uh, less than one percent. So, and if you take a look at the uh, qualitative assessment of manufacturing. A qualitative assessment of manufacturing comes from two sources, two independent sources. One's the uh, Institute of Supply Management, and they put out their survey of the manufacturing community. And then there's another one, the independent one, called the Standard and Poor Global uh, U.S. Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. And in both of those, what they do is take a look at... uh, the uh, it's qualitative in the sense that they talk to the managers in manufacturing. In other words, uh, uh, they ask the managers, uh, how did this month compare to last month? Uh, was it better? Was it worse? Was it about the same? And they discuss certain issues with regard to running the business. You know, how about your orders? How about your production? Is that better or worse? How about your backlog? Is it growing? Is it decreasing? How about your employment? Are you bringing on more people or losing people? Uh, how about your prices that you're getting and prices that you're paying? All these things. They they, they take the, the uh, manager's comments and uh, basically grind them all together to come up with some number that gives them a feeling for whether the uh, manufacturing is increasing or decreasing, and we'll talk about this later, later in the show too, as well as the uh, the uh, orders for durable goods and also the uh, consumer spending. So basically, what what they're showing is that the uh, 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 both show orders for manufacturing are slowing. Now that could mean that the economy is slowing, but Part of that slowdown is due to the, obviously due to the consumer changing their uh, buying habits after the end of this uh, uh, pandemic lockdown. You know, during the during the pandemic lockdown, hey, we had nothing to we weren't going to restaurants or traveling or going to sports events, and uh, so we had the money that uh, we basically spent on goods, you know, through Amazon or Walmart. We bought appliances and furniture and fixing up the house, or we saved the money. And uh, But there was very little money that was spent on services. Now, people are out and about. They're free again. So they're traveling and eating out and spending on services. And so the services, the amount of money that the consumer has, it's being reduced in his buying power by inflation. But it's, and then it's also... Uh, being reallocated from goods to services, so that's one of the things that basically is is uh, slowing the economy down. Now, slowing the the uh, manufacturing part of the economy down. So, uh, with all this this betwixt uh, the between, <laughs> you know, all this information that's coming across is. Uh, we're principally interested as investors in what's happening to our money. And basically, uh, we're getting nailed from both different directions, both in regard to the, uh, the stocks, in terms of the, I guess, from the stocks viewpoint, the first half was, was absolutely terrible, and from the bonds. In other words, typically, in most uh, 
downturns in the stock market. Uh, the bonds stay constant or sometimes even increase. This has been a time when both the stocks and the bonds are going down. So the stocks are going down because basically of the fear of, of the investor community that uh, uh, the Federal Reserve in conquering inflation is going to cause a recession. And the bonds are going down because, A, the Federal Reserve is uh, increasing the overnight rates, and, the, 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 and that's the, the federal funds rate, and that increases basically all the other longer maturity rates, too. So uh, it's not unusual to take a look at the bond fund that has uh, the U.S. Treasuries in the intermediate range, and, and uh, let's say the intermediate range would be uh, 10 to 15 years and see that the losses so far have been the order of uh, 10%. So uh, both the stocks and the bonds are getting punished. Uh, aside from that, yeah, that's the big picture. Aside from that, we also have the our own financial plans and that uh, this isn't going to last forever, but we are going to last a little bit longer than this a financial crisis. So we've got a plan for another 10 or 20 or 30 or maybe in some cases 50 years. So it boils down to this crisis is here and it will take care of itself somehow and we'll get through it somehow. Uh, but then how does that affect your financial plan that you put together and said, hey, I've got certain goals. Uh, I've got I've got to save money for a house. I'm getting married. I'm getting. Uh, we're talking about uh, having children. Uh, uh, maybe going from one paycheck to, to two, from two paychecks to one paycheck. Uh, what's the standard of living of the family going to look like? How are we going to save money for the education of the children? Uh, how are we going to save money for retirement? So those are our. Uh, financial goals, and we have to address those. Thank God that they're uh, long-term goals. Most of them are long-term goals, I am. And uh, like this, uh, this financial situation that we're in right now, uh, both with regard to the economy and the and the uh, investments, it would be a short-term, reasonably short-term, but the year over the year. Uh, so what we got to do is pay attention to that long-term plan, that personal plan, and make sure that we allocate uh, the money that we have coming in and allocate it to the future goals, make the uh, right uh, 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 allocation to each goal and make the investments appropriate for each goal and then stay on top of the whole thing uh, to see if uh, there's changes uh, that we have to make mid-course corrections, so to speak. And then we also have to protect ourselves from the unforeseen events like, uh, you know, like uh, the life insurance and property and casualty insurance and things of this nature to make sure that uh, we don't get wiped out in some sort of uh, uh, financial, you don't get wiped out financially in some sort of an accident in the home or, or in a car. So, and then on top of that, we have to take a look at uh, estate planning and say, okay, uh, where's this money going to go? We always want to keep as much of it as possible just to uh, feel safe and uh, account for any, you know, unforeseen things that we, we uh, could happen but haven't happened yet. And uh, but then. Uh, we also want to make plans that if these things don't happen and we do end up with money to be transferred to the uh, heirs, that uh, we do that properly, too. So all of these things are part of the personal financial plan, and we work with our clients uh, in those activities. So uh, this is, this is uh, I'm Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. And give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. That's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. So give me a call. Stay tuned, I'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. 
Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Love to hear from you. Well, Jim, we just heard from Paula through the break, and she's got a great question. Um, She said, we want to get out and travel um, like everybody is doing this summer, it seems. And she wants to know, will Medicare cover us if we travel to another state or go overseas, or even if they want to go on a cruise? Are they okay? Well, there's, there's certain restrictions. You know, like if you're traveling in the United States, and if you have the original Medicare, you can go any physician or hospital that accepts Medicare patients, and most do. Uh, and, you know, that, that that's good in the 50 states as well as uh, territories. I don't know. The two territories I know about are the, uh, Puerto Rico and uh, the Virgin Islands. And if you have that Medicare Advantage program, uh, your, your policy may or may not provide coverage outside your service area. So make sure you check with your individual you know, plan. Uh, to go over the details and the costs. So uh, having said that, uh, all the Medicare Advantage plans are required to cover emergencies and and urgent care regardless of any restrictions on their service area. And, you know, it's particularly important if you've got uh, homes in two places, you know, you spend a lot of time around around the United States. And when you're traveling overseas, the most important point is that, there, is that with a few exceptions, the original Medicare doesn't pay uh, for health expenses outside the United States. So if you're going to Europe or uh, Asia or the Middle East or someplace, uh, the Medicare won't pay. And uh, if you have the original Medicare, you should look into purchasing a, a, a policy that uh, uh, well, most people have a Medigap uh, policy uh, to fill in where the Medicare doesn't pay, but uh, uh, the thing is that you want it to be able to pay uh, overseas. And, uh, and uh, some, but not all, Medicare, Medigap policies will cover emergency services overseas. Along with that coverage, well, you, there's generally higher deductibles there, too. So you got to take a look and see what you're what your policy is in terms of going to different countries uh, outside the United States. But inside the United States, if you got the, the Medicare Advantage or the Medicare, original Medicare, uh, you're pretty much covered. Uh, but principally with regard to the original Medicare and the Medicare Advantage, uh, you have to look at it and say, is there restrictions outside that your locality where that plan is? And, uh, uh, you know, uh, if you're on a, for instance, you mentioned on a sailing and stuff like that. If you're on a cruise, uh, uh, you're kind of limited to 
Really a good being in the in the territorial waters, I think. I, I'm not too sure of this. You're going to have to, have to uh, really delve into this. And uh, if the ship is uh, sailing across from the uh, United States to uh, Europe, uh, uh, you'll be far out at sea. I don't know what the, what the coverage of that case is. So... Uh, as international travelers, basically you should look at purchasing additional health insurance and just make sure you do your homework there. So, but as far as uh, in the United States, it's the best thing that uh, Medicare is the best thing that ever happened in the sense that uh, I love it when the uh, uh, when you get a, when you go to the hospital, the hospital charges you this enormous amount, and then Medicare slashes it <laughs> and says, oh, we'll give you half of this, you know, and then uh, generally your your uh, Medigap policy fills in for the rest of it. So, But you have to be careful when you're uh, overseas and uh, uh, particularly if you're on a cruise or something like that. So check into those things. So this is just actually, uh, you're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, you can give us a call. Our toll-free number is one 888 Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get This Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you know, one of the things we talked about this morning was a, uh, we as investors are caught between this um, uh, fear of uh, inflation and uh, uh, also this fear of uh, the recession. Which one is, is the greatest fear right now? And are they combined in uh, May? Uh, we also interested in what's happening in the economy in all this commotion. In May, spending by consumers increased uh, two-tenths of a percent, or uh, the increase was $32.7 billion. And uh, the uh, increase is the uh, slowest rate increase uh, this year so far. And, uh, you know, I went over the... Uh, what it was in January, for instance, if you take a look at where we're going in, in uh, uh, January, it increased 1.9%, February, uh, six-tenths of 1%, March, 1.2%, April, eight-tenths of 1%, and May, two-tenths of 1%. Now, is that going to jump up in June? I don't know. And uh, in taking inflation into account, the purchases of goods and services uh, decreased four tenths of one percent in May uh, from April. So uh, some Americans are uh, basically uh, tapping their uh, savings to offset the uh, price increases. The savings rate right now is about five and a five point five percent or five point four percent. And uh, uh, during last year, in the, in the all locked up. It was about uh, seven and a half to eight percent. So, uh, the, the if you take a look at the earnings of the uh, workers, that's up by half a percent. But they're only spending two tenths of that in terms of uh, goods and services. So, uh, and they're also changing their spending patterns too. In other words, we mentioned this before: uh, customers or consumers are stepping up their Depending on services like travel, dining out, uh, uh, non-durable goods, while well, chewing up some of it in terms of gasoline and food, and, and the gasoline and food is uh, very much a function of uh, where you stand in the income scale. In other words, uh, uh, people that are making, uh, let's say, uh, thirty thousand dollars a year, they they spend more. A higher percentage on the 
uh, gasoline and food than the, the person that's making a hundred thousand dollars a year. So uh, everybody complains about it, but the it's really hurting the uh, lower wage earners. And uh, basically, what you're seeing is that uh, uh, with this newfound freedom, people are spending more on uh, on uh, services and less on durable goods. And uh, for instance, in the Department of Commerce, reported spending showed that the spending on goods was down seven tenths of one percent. And they broke it down goods into durable goods and those things that last over three years, like cars and refrigerators and furniture and stuff like that. Durable goods were down uh, 3.2%, which is a big down for a, a month. And then non-durable goods uh, was up uh, $0.07, cents, and that's more like food and fuel. And then services were up $0.07 cents of a percent. So... The guys that took it on the chin were mostly uh, the durable goods manufacturers. And according to uh, 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 Jamie Dimon, who is the CEO of the DP Morgan Chasing Company, quote, the consumer has money. Uh, they paid down their credit card debts. And the consumer <clears throat> confidence is in the high, but the uh, fact that they have money and they're spending their money and uh, uh, excuse me. That was said at a uh, earnings call uh, sometime last month, and he expected that to continue in the second and third quarters. Uh, though inflation and the uh, war in the Ukraine uh, pose challenges to the uh, economic outlook. So, when we take a look at the uh, <clears throat> the uh, Consumer price index or the measure of inflation, uh, what we see is that there's two measures of inflation. One is the consumer price index, which is the one we're most, we're most familiar with, and that is the consumer price index for May. That shows that uh, over a 12 month period, the consumer price index, uh, including all things, increased 8.6%. And if you eliminate food and fuel, that's called the core CPI. It only increased six-tenths of 1%. And that's the ones we're most familiar with. And we'll see the new numbers. The new numbers are coming out next week, uh, the new numbers for June. And if we take a look at the one, the consumer price index that the uh, Federal Reserve looks at, it's called the personal consumption expenditure. And uh, that they favor that more than the CPI, and the, the consumer the, the the personal consumption expenditure for May, uh, including all things, is up six six point three percent, and the core uh, personal consumption expenditure for the last twelve months was up four point seven percent. So what you see is that. If you take a look at the core uh, personal consumption expenditure for uh, April and for March, what you look at is over the last 12 months for um, May, it was 4.7%. You go back to April, it was 4.9%. If you go back to March, it was 5.2%. So they're basically looking at Inflation going down uh, from March to April. From, from March, it was 5.2% of the last 12 months. And that's a good number excluding food, food and fuel. And then it went down to 4.9%. And in May, it was 4.7%. So there's good news uh, to be gleaned there, uh, you know, in, in uh, terms of. Uh, the consumer price index, as well as the personal consumption expenditure. They're basically two methods of measuring the same thing. Uh, here we take a look at uh, the durable goods orders uh, for May. And what we're basically seeing is that uh, uh, there seems to be a, uh, a decrease in the durable goods orders. 
We've gone from a, a group in uh, the end of last year that was in a uh, uh, increase in orders was in the order of three percent in November. December was one point two. In January, it started to go to February. It really started to go down. And it was negative 1.7. In March, it was uh, 0.7. April, it was 0.4. Then May, it was 0.7%. Less than 1%. So we seem to be going from uh, uh, demands in the 1% or 2% range to demands in the less than uh, 1% range, in the approximately 0.7 tenths of 1% range. And uh, uh, is that due to the... Uh, that due to the uh, the uh, consumer is is that due to the consumer changing his uh, spending habits in terms of more services and uh, less goods? It may be, but it just takes longer. Uh, it takes more data uh, to get a feel for is the economy slowing down and how much is it slowing down uh, in terms of how we were compared to a year ago, uh, basically we're in great shape there. And there was, if you take a look at new orders, uh, compared, comparing May of 2020, uh, May of 2022 to May of 2021, there were orders were up uh, close to 11%. And uh, if you look at the different aspects, uh, steel, 12.7%, fabricated, metal products, 7.1%, machinery, close to 13%, computers about close to 5%, uh, all these things, civilian aircraft up 71%, uh, motor vehicles up 10.5%. In other words, if we look forward, uh, comparing last year to uh, this year, uh, we are making a tremendous amount of progress. And even in the automotive, uh, the automotive went up uh, 10.5% from last year. And we're still in this posture in automotive where uh, uh, car companies are producing cars and not being able to sell them because they don't have the chips uh, to uh, make them saleable. So I think when they get this chip, uh, computer chip situation corrected, then we're going to see a big part of the manufacturing capability of the United States come into play. And there's going to be a big leap forward. The same thing happened with regard to civilian aircraft, too. You know, Boeing had big problems with their 737 MAX because of those two crashes. And uh, they're over that now, and uh, they're enjoying the fruits of, uh, you know, all those back orders and production. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. If tomorrow all the things were gone I'd work for all my life And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky stars To be living here today Welcome back to Get This Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim Magaly. And and one of the things that uh, we I talked about originally was Hey, how's manufacturing doing? And there's two different groups that uh, assess uh, manufacturing and service industries. And but let's concentrate on manufacturing right now. And the way they assess it is uh, a qualitative approach, where they talk to the managers, and the managers tell them, "Hey, I, my employment picked up uh, this month versus the last month, or my production." Uh, was down this month versus last month, and all the rest of it. They, they, the question is, how did this month compare to last month and the topics that they talk to these people about? They're basically everywhere from orders, how you ordered book doing, to uh, how's your production looking, how's your prices looking, and how's your delivery of, um, your delivery of raw materials and, and Supply chains working out. How's your employment picture looking? So what they do then is is basically uh, 
grind grind the numbers together and uh, uh, come up with a number that's typically close to if 50, 50 is neutral, anything above 50 is uh, expansion, anything below 50 is contraction. So basically in June, uh, the Institute of Supply Management, uh, their index number for manufacturing decreased uh, to 53 in June from 56.1 in May. And uh, here's some of what the, some of the respondents some of the managers were saying, and uh, uh, basically it'd be computers and electronic products. Uh, backlog is high, but incoming orders are slowing this month. Uh, chemical products, uh, new orders have stabilized and are not increasing. Uh, transportation equipment, continued strong demand uh, for transportation equipment. And then transportation equipment not only includes cars and trucks, it also includes uh, locomotives and uh, aircraft. Uh, food and beverage, uh, their comment was business is slower than expected in volume, but revenue is on pace uh, with our budget. Ocean freight costs are finally beginning to fall a bit already receiving a large orders for the fall, which is encouraging. And uh, petroleum and coal products, uh, they're saying continuing tightening of the market, rising uh, gas and diesel prices, and limited uh, labor uh, drivers equate to increased cost. Few markets showing uh, leveling off. Uh, machines, our suppliers are experiencing softening of orders. We are still running at the same high level that we did through 2021 in early 2022. So, and you see, if you take a look at their comparison, uh, new orders, uh, 18% said that uh, uh, new orders have increased uh, 18%. Again, uh, 17% of them say that the new orders have decreased. Production has increased, though. 27% 27% say the production was increased uh, in in June versus uh, uh, May, and only 12% say it decreased. The backlog is about the same. You know, 26% say their backlog is increasing. 19% said it's going down. Uh, basically, employment employment is about even stealing. You know, they, they apparently. Uh, what you're seeing in employment is they have enough workers, but uh, they don't want to leave go of any workers either. So what you're going to see is the economy does weaken. Uh, workers are going to be the last ones to be let go because they were so difficult to get. And uh, um, then the standard for global U.S. manufacturing purchasing managers index is... Uh, uh, is even uh, more um, despair, despairing. So, uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. I guess we are. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow... We- Tomorrow we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence and the start of our nation 246 years ago. Uh, so, whatever happened to the 56, 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? You know, what was the price of freedom for them? And basically, five signers of the Declaration were captured by the British as traitors and were tortured before they died. Uh, Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons serving the Revolutionary Army, and another had two sons captured. Uh, Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardship in the Revolutionary War. Uh, What kind of men were they? You know, 24 were lawyers and jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers. They were men of means and well-educated, but they signed the Declaration 
of, of independence, knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. Uh, Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships blasted to the bottom of the ocean by the British Navy. He sold his house and properties to pay his debts, and he died in poverty. Uh, Thomas McQueen, he was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He, ser he served in the Congress without pay, and his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken, and poverty was his reward. Vandals and soldiers looted the properties of Hillary, and of Hall, and of Clymer, Walton, and Gannett, uh, Hayward, Rutledge, and Middleton. Uh, at the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson uh, noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over, taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters. He urged uh, General Washington to open fire, and the home was destroyed, and uh, uh, Francis Lewis had his home and property destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. The 13 children fled for their lives. His field and his gristmill were laid to waste for more than a year. He lived in forests and, and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children gone. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. And uh, Morris and Livingston suffered similar fates. So what you see is that uh, you know, they paid a terrible price uh, to, sign the, to sign the Declaration of Independence. In other words, they knew what they were doing uh, when they formed the new nation. And, uh, but they knew how the dangers ahead, and they did it anyhow. So... These are men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. They pledged for the support of this declaration with firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence. We mutually pledged to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our, our sacred honor. They gave you and me a free and independent America. We didn't fight just the British. We were British subjects at the time, and we fought the British-imposed government for the right to govern our own country. Today, many Americans take these liberties for granted, but we shouldn't. So take a take a few minutes to remember the prices that were paid for our freedom by the countless American heroes who did their part for our nation during its history. Uh, what you do is, is these people they gave so much for you and me. And we should always remember that freedom is never free then or now. So until we meet again next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. And guide her through the night with You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.